A leader in industry is currently based in Amsterdam, I tell you. She is a tech entrepreneur, also co-founder of Voice, V-O-Y-C, a company that helps businesses understand you as a client much, much better. Without wasting any time, as they say, without any further ado, Aslan Tabo, Lord Chang, good morning this morning. Jumelang, Jumelang, good morning, Mandla, and to all the listeners. How are you, mum? I am very good, and how are you? We are together, as they say. Nice to have you on the show. How is uh, the Netherlands treating you? Um, it is treating uh, myself and my co-founder, who also recently moved to my, the Netherlands in April, um, very well. It's a, it's, a, it's a very warm and welcoming country. Gee, goodness me, what took you there? Um, in uh, very good news for us, it's the expansion and growth. Um, so we're a two-and-a-half-year-old startup voice, like you mentioned. And, uh, yeah, we've been running for about two years, and it, uh, the opportunity arose to expand um, to reach the, the U.K. and Australian market. And so we uh, came to the Netherlands in April to uh, set up our headquarters. Here uh, in Af- in Aslan. But but why did you choose the Netherlands, though? Um, very interesting question. So, uh, two reasons. One of our angel investors happens to be the ambassador uh, of the Netherlands to Lithuania, and when we were um, uh, reaching out to our network to find out where would the best European country to set up um, uh, voice be. Um, the the option, uh, you know, looking at the different uh, options between um, the UK, between Germany and the Netherlands, the Netherlands just had a really great um, supportive, uh, supporting and welcoming environment for for startups and scale-ups. So it just seemed like the obvious choice um, amongst a number of different things. But also, um, yeah, different culture, different environment, and um, it, it seems like a really good bet. So here we are. Had you done enough in South Africa to move? One, two, um, for for you, it it looks like your timing is perfect because for most people, for them to be able to get to a point where they are confident enough to explore a bigger market, they need to do well Mm -hmm. and spend a couple of years in one place. In your case, it's a different case. Yeah, so I mean, it's a really good question. When is the right time to expand into a different market? Um, are you ever really, um, uh, you know, ready? The answer is probably no as entrepreneurs, but probably the company, um, there's, a, there's a point in time in which it's ready. But uh, just to give a bit of context to the listeners, at Voice, we monitor contact uh, uh, center conversations to improve uh, call center quality assurance and uh, agent performance. Meaning, uh, I mean, most of us, we've listened uh, every time we call a call center and we hear the phrase, this call is recorded for quality and training purposes. In reality, uh, in most instances, only 2% of those calls are actually monitored. So uh, with voice running in um, the call centers that we run in, you know as a customer that 100% of of the interactions are being monitored. So if it is a case where you're being treated unfairly or the company is not being treated uh, uh, fairly, voice will flag those interactions and and let the um, managers know that there is an unhappy customer. So 
Manza was not uh, treated fairly, we need to call him back, or um, something's not okay with this call and we need to resolve it quickly. So how voice works is actually we use um, uh, AI technology to do this. And in the call center market, uh, we are doing really well in the insurance space in South Africa with uh, just about a dozen banks and insurers using our platform. But the challenge is that also an opportunity. We're growing really fast in South Africa still, uh, despite the move. But um, it's, it's, it's the cost of, um, unfortunately, when we enter an environment, we're uh, immediately weighed between how much does it cost to have people do this job and how much does it cost to bring technology into the space and do the job. And so we're constantly being compared to humans. And within South Africa, it's just the cost of labor is uh, a lot lower than it would be to use our technology. So it made sense to move to markets where the cost of labor is quite high. Um, so you would be looking at AI technology to um, fulfill a job that you couldn't get people to do simply because it would be too expensive. So um, already in our early days, we knew that the, the um, jump to the international market would be warranted. Yeah, because I, I was thinking, I mean, when you talk about call centers, you're talking about large volumes of uh, uh, text and speech that you've got to decipher to a point where your client is going to be happy that uh, the information you produce that is reliable and can help them chat the way forward. How, then, how does then technology shorten that and, and give the client a quicker turnaround time for them to, you know, be strategically ahead? Yeah, um, it's a very good question. So I do think that uh, in such a very sensitive environment where um, the cost of a mistake is, is pretty high on our end and on the customer's end, um, it really has to be a, a seriously considered conversation when you want to bring technology in versus humans or, or people. In our context, though, the reality is, uh, uh, let me take you through the uh, example of or example of when you're buying insurance, be it travel insurance, life insurance, car insurance. Quite often, there are uh, more sales agents than there are quality assurance agents. And the sales agents being driven by commission will make sure that they sell um, as best as they can, but that they do sell that life insurance to you or that travel insurance or that car insurance. And uh, the challenge then is if there is any fault in that phone call, the phone call itself becomes the contract. And so if they forget to ask you um, some lifestyle questions and life life insurance, some health uh, um, questions, whether if it's life insurance, whether you have a heart disease or whether you're a smoker, those kinds of questions do affect your premium. And um, if they offer you the life insurance anyway, they should cover you at the end of uh, or when you do claim. What quite often happens is because not enough calls could manually be um, quality assured, it's just not possible with the number of uh, people that can, can take all those calls. Quite often, companies only discover those mistakes at claim stage. So it's only when you claim do you as a customer uh, or do they as a company realize that they promised this to you when, in fact, uh, they shouldn't have. Um, and it could have been resolved if, if something had flagged to say this specific question wasn't asked or um, this seems um, untoward and we need to look at it before we issue the policy. And that's where our AI technology really helps. 
Um, companies currently on average um, only have the QA or quality assurance coverage of around 2%. We bring that up to 100% and start flagging calls that really need their attention versus a random sample of um, any, any uh, random kind of call. It sounds like a two-way uh, win-win situation. Not only do you help custom, uh, clients offer a better service and happy customers, but it sounds like in the process you're making customers very clever. Yes, it, it's very true. I mean, we're a very mission-driven uh, company. Um, our mission and our values are uh, really what drive us. And we're on a mission to ensure the fair treatment of companies and the fair treatment of their customers. So um, it's really what drives us. If a customer, um, whenever you purchase something, you're really, uh, you really want to know that you've been heard or that you're getting the best that you possibly can for your money. And as a company as well, for you to be able to deliver that service time and time again, you really want to make sure that uh, your customers are treating fairly so there's no potential fraud on the line um, and that the individuals are actually telling you the truth. And we exist, we believe we exist to keep that balance. Sure. We're chatting to the Tabamotsa lady, a lady who is, yeah, yeah, she's not, she hasn't wasted time. Eh? Two years in the, in the business, hits the international market. A lot of her peers in the business was thinking, how did she do that? We'll talk to her a lot more in a moment. Stay with us on SAFM. SA Women's Struggles Journal. Hashtag Women's Month 2020. Here are some of the key milestones since the attainment of democracy in SA, which acknowledges our powerful women's involvement, successes, institutional and structural transformation. South African women attended the UN Fourth World Conference for Women in Beijing, China in 1994. The Department of Women, Children and People with Disabilities was established in 2009. First woman deputy president in South Africa, Pumzile Mlamontoka in 2005. First black woman judge, Navarin Palay, was appointed in 1995. SAFM, leading the Women's Month conversation. Also remember, we're giving away uh, 42,000 rands. Eh? There's lots of money to be won as we celebrate our birthdays. So keep listening to the station and also visit our website, www.safm.co.za for more details. Also, uh, check out our Twitter page at SFM Radio. 19 minutes to 5, little Mutualeri, a guest on the line from uh, far away from home in Amsterdam. You can tell that it's hell of it. She, she's settled already. Some people, it takes forever to settle, but she's settled already. Letabo, uh, you know, sometimes I get the feeling that you are in the wrong place at the right time and making the most of it. You studied uh, geometrics. <laughs> yes, geometrics engineering, correct. What, 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 what happens there? Uh, geometrics, don't you have to deal with <laughs> buildings and what, and boulders and... and there, there is a very interesting story. So um, for the uh, entire four years when I did my, uh, my undergrad and then were also um, honors degree, my dad kept asking, what on earth is, is, is uh, geomatics? And for the entire period, it was a very difficult answer for me as well because there was so much to it. It's such a multidisciplinary engineering approach that uh, deals a lot with uh, the, it's the study of precise earth measurement or 
the way of bringing the, our, our real world, our 3D world into a virtual environment for measurement purposes. So we deal a lot with civil engineers, with architecture, um, with the built environment in that. If also when you want um, uh, land surveyors to survey land uh, before any construction or um, any uh, distribution or, or changes to, to, to the tenure of it need to happen. So it's a pretty much multidisciplinary approach. And why I chose it was uh, simply because I had no idea what it was. Um, I wanted to study engineering and uh, any other type of engineering did not seem exciting enough. So I uh, went onto the UCT's website when I was uh, um, in matric, when I was 18 years old, and I kind of just picked something that seemed interesting. And it was dramatics, and I am and, uh, so much better off for, for, for picking it. It was one of the best decisions I made because it was during that uh, period that I learned so much about, um, you know, uh, different types of engineering, but I also was introduced to software engineering, surprisingly, um, so uh, computer programming, and I've, I haven't looked back since. And the, the story behind you and computers is quite uh, interesting because <laughs> I'm told at some point you were afraid that, uh, you know, uh, you'd break a computer if you tried to work on it, but look at you now. That's, yeah, look, it's, it's entirely, entirely true. Now building a software for banks and insurers, if you, if you told that to me at 18 years old, I would be like, no way. Um, and I really do think um, in the spirit of, of, of Women's Month and what it is to be a woman is also to look at some of the things that challenge us and, and, and hold us back, um, is just the fear of breaking things um, is how I've been raised, that things need to be perfect, things always need to be right, you can't make a mistake, um, and uh, computer programming is the exact opposite. You need to break things to understand how they work. Um, you need to really uh, deconstruct something in order to be able to put it together again. And for the very, uh, I would say, a couple of years, in fact, um, I was scared to do that. Eventually, I just had to delve deeper and, uh, and get my hands dirty to say. Uh, and that's exactly how you learn. And that's exactly how I learned. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's one of the best ways, in fact, um, computer programming just learn to unlearn uh, some of these uh, social conditioning that we've had to always have things perfect because the answers are never quite right, um, never as you anticipate. It's always wrong. It's always broken. And uh, uh, if you approach it from that point, uh, point of view, then you're always thinking, how can I fix it or how can I make it better? Wow. VOICE, V-O-Y-C, is an acronym, isn't it? Yes, yes, which stands for Voice of Your Customer. Ah, voice of your customer. Now, I, I, I like the sound of that. And then last year, you guys were selected for Google's uh, Launchpad Accelerator Africa program. Must have been, mm-hmm. yo, must have been uh, one of the highlights, I think. Or maybe there's more. Yeah, there's more. Uh, it was a really good one. I think uh, everything uh, happens at the right time. So we, by the time we got uh, acceler- accepted onto the Launchpad Accelerator, it wasn't our first one. Um, we, in 2018, um, uh, got accepted onto Techstars um, in Berlin, Germany, um, where the partner program was SAP. And Techstars is uh, one of the biggest uh, global accelerators in the world as well. And um, at that time, we needed to validate that as a South African startup, we really do have a global market. And we were introduced to the mentor-driven 
um, approach of, you know, really relying on mentors or people who have been there and done it before um, to understand how to grow and scale a company. And uh, a year later, we made it onto the Launchpad Accelerator, which really took a couple of uh, uh, companies uh, from the African continent. Um, we explored Lagos. We explored the Kenyan ecosystem as well. And a couple of months later, a uh, connection between uh, invest- investors um, in the U.K., um, I joined their, 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 their um, uh, startup program in the UK and really just got exposed to more mentors or more ecosystems to see how everyone else does it and what we can do better. So, it's, um, again, the accelerators that we've been on have been really uh, instrumental to the way we grow because uh, you really need uh, founders who have done it all before and you need the mentors who have also done it all before. So, most of the mistakes that we make are um, new in the sense that uh, there's either someone to um, help us through the mistake that we made or someone we can talk to to actually prevent it entirely, which, if you think of it that way, makes expanding into a different market or trying something completely new um, that much more palatable when you know there's people you can talk to that can um, help you through it. Absolutely. Social media platforms, uh, you know, cause disruptions all over the show in terms of conducting business Mm -hmm. and all of that. In your case, in terms of creating uh, data, uh, you know, creating customer data that is reliable, has it been easy? Has it been challenging? Um, not that challenging. So, I mean, I think the, the, the challenge with, uh, with every industry everywhere is, uh, like, really rapid digitization. And um, what we were worried about in our early days, uh, we really had to focus on something. There were so many different problems we could solve, um, being particularly uh, a machine learning uh, AI startup that focused on uh, transcriptions for speech-to-text and also focusing on natural language processing. There were very many applications of our software. And we decided to solely focus on voice and the application of voice um, and just just focusing on that, meaning any other application in which you could use our system in. We actually actively said, no, um, that's not how we're going to build because there's so many different things or so many directions that you can get pulled into that you actually don't move. And so when we looked at the uh, advent of the growth of social media and digitization and how customers were starting to sell um, over, uh, you know, right now it's possible, um, however likely it is, we don't know, but it's possible to actually um, get sold life insurance while you're on Facebook, while you're on Twitter to get an advert that asks you uh, if you want travel insurance or car insurance and you click on it and you put in your details and there you are with, uh, and, uh, a, a policy uh, at the end of that journey. So we thought, is this the end of what we're doing? Is this the process? And we just realized that, um, you know, when everybody says the future uh, is here, um, so that is the future, but it's not evenly distributed, meaning it's not the case for every single market, for every single industry, for every single company. So where we are, still a lot of companies depend on voice, Still, a lot of customers communicate to companies primarily through voice, and that's a channel that's untapped in the ability to monitor and check that all those interactions are 100%, and that's why we focused on that. So, yes, there is disruption happening there, but um, it's uh, at this stage nothing that we should fear, simply because the problem we're trying to solve is still big enough uh, to warrant 
um, you know, keeping our heads down and um, solving every single 